Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Welcome back, listeners. A brief recap, and I'll jump right into the finale of I Visited the Seven Gates of Hell by Dakota Vought. Last episode, we saw five friends begin the ritual of the Seven Gates of Hell. Daniel, Kenny, Maddie, Lauren, and Andrew. They wandered deep into the forest where the ritual is to take place, seeking all seven gates and the burnt asylum of which the seven gate is said to reside in. We witness one of the friends, Kenny, taken away in a blink of an eye, and now our friends are out there trying to get him back, or at the least, find out what happened to him. So turn off those lights, turn up the sound, and get ready for something creepy. <laughs> With a new sense of pace, we started back on the trail. My flashlight was flickering back and forth between the trail in front of me and the trees beside me even more often now. And it wasn't long before we reached the fourth gate. Or at least I think it was the fourth gate. There actually wasn't a gate at all, only a prominent mark in the ground. Like someone had run their finger through wet concrete and molded it that way. I just knew that it was, however. I knew we were getting deeper into the game. Closer to hell, I suppose. I didn't even bother to stop. I just kept walking. The moment I stepped past the gate, I knew I was correct. It felt like I dropped 20 degrees instantly. I also heard sound again. But it wasn't the average forest sounds. It was distant wails. That could have been mistaken for a gust of wind in a different situation. But not this one. When Maddie stepped over the line, her face froze and she looked at me. I did my best to smile for reassurance, but I'm sure it wasn't worth much. She put her head back down and pulled her jacket closer around her. Are we going to talk about how we made it here? To the fourth gate? With no fucking directions? Andrew was looking at me, and then pointed back down at the line in the dirt. I mean, of all the turns we could have taken, and all the different routes we could have gone down, this gate, it's hardly six feet long, in a forest that's how big? And, and, how in the world did we even know this was supposed to be a gate? I can't be the only one that just knew. Andrew was ranting, something he did to cope with things. Normally, it was when a guy pissed him off at school by talking to a girl he was interested in, or how his favorite football team lost and it was all on the referees. This time, it was about ghosts that kidnapped and possibly killed our best friend. I don't... I don't have an answer. Let's just keep moving, okay? I don't want to stand in one place for too long. I replied. Fuck this. <sighs> Andrew crossed his arms and let out a shiver from the newfound cold, but continued to walk ahead of me. Lauren simply walked by his side and looked straight ahead, focused on an unknown point and mind set only on completing her objective. The further we got into the land of the fourth gate, the harder it was to ignore the background sound to our trek. It was clearly screaming 
and it was clearly in the direction we were heading. Then again, I guess we had given up rational thought the moment we decided to continue further into this damned hell forest instead of turning around and cutting our losses at one of us. I know that may sound fucked up to say, but I'm afraid that even if we make it out of here, our lives will never be the same again. I know mine won't be. I don't really remember when, but at some point, images started flashing through my head. Ones that were not my own. I saw ash and monsters, endless miles of snow, spiders by the millions crawling along the ground. They were terrifying, and would flash in front of my conscious every couple of minutes for a brief moment. It was distracting. I wanted them to stop and after a while started cringing every time I knew I was due for another. As we went deeper, the visions grew longer. Eventually, it became all I could do to focus on walking straight. My gut instinct was to sit down and close my eyes to try to make it stop. I knew that wouldn't help, but I had the strongest urge to do it anyway. I persisted. I kept moving. I trained my eyes on the back of Andrew's head and grounded myself there. It was in the middle of one of these visions, one where I was flying but my wings were on fire, and I knew that soon I would fall to my death, that I heard Maddie scream again. I snapped back to reality and looked to my right, where she had been stationed all evening. She was gone, but not in the way that Kenny had been gone. This time, there was a trail of blood. I don't think that makes it better. Please, help. I followed the voice up a tree and saw Maddie pinned to the trunk, a thick branch penetrating through her stomach. I crossed the distance between us in moments and looked up. She was out of my reach and her eyes were closing quickly. Maddie, please stay with us. We can help. Desperately racking my brain for any solution, I whipped around to find Lauren climbing a dogwood next to the one Maddie was impaled on. Andrew and I looked on helplessly. I got, I got you, Maddie. Maddie. I, I got, got you. you. Lauren's voice was reassuring, and she worked her way a good 15 feet off the ground to a crossing point between the two trees. I had forgotten how much of a climber Lauren had been in elementary school. It felt like ages ago, but it sure as hell was useful now. Lauren reached over and made the jump. Maddie followed her lazily, a drunken haze settling over her whole body. Lauren began to slowly climb down to the level our friend was at and cradled her head. She then looked back down at us and shook her head. There was nothing we could do. You have to try, Lauren. Please get her down. I begged. I couldn't handle another loss. Lauren grimaced and did the only thing that could possibly save her. She broke the branch as close as she could to Maddie's body, and she pulled her off. I'm not sure actually if she managed to pull the whole way off the tree branch. It wasn't long after Lauren touched her. Maddie disappeared into thin air. Part 3 I sat down on my knees and cried. With Kenny, we could force ourselves into thinking he was still alive somewhere just kidnapped by some mysterious force, waiting for us to save him. Maddie was dead. I don't know where her body went, 
but I could see the life drain from her eyes when she was up on that tree. I don't think I will ever get the image out of my head. Can you imagine seeing your best friend, one who begged you to leave and that you forced to keep going, impaled on a tree limb, screaming for her life, knowing you couldn't save her? There wasn't much time for grieving, however. Whatever resided in this forest didn't care about feelings. I only had about a minute of freedom before the vision started again. Piles of bones, my home being swallowed by an earthquake, creatures of indescribable horror chasing after me. The pressure that I felt pushing me forward didn't stop either. I could feel it pick me up from below my armpits, literally, mind you, and shove me forward. Lauren made her way down from the spot she had been trying to rescue Maddie, no expression on her face, and walked right past me in the direction that I had been shoved. Clearly, she was getting directions too. Andrew put his head down and walked behind her, leaving me as the last to follow. I took one last glance back and continued on. There was nothing else I could do. The fifth gate didn't exist. At least, physically, no one had spoken a word for the mild walk after Maddie's death, until eventually, Lauren spoke. We just passed the fifth gate. Of course, I felt it too. Instead of feeling hands tapping or shoving, it now felt like a constant pressure. Like when you were five years old and your six-eight uncle gave you a bear hug. Only then you knew it would eventually end. The visions have gotten increasingly worse, but I'm starting to become numb to them. They are just a part of me now. I've accepted that. I hadn't noticed it, but the terrain around us was changing as well. Things around us were just dead now. The trees were growing more and more brown, leaves becoming more scarce as we continued on. Plants with blooming flowers were replaced with thickets of thornbrush. Animal carcasses littered the distance. It seemed unlikely that we were even still in an earthly plane anymore. The more I thought about it, something like this would have garnered the attention of the local government in an attempt to stop whatever was causing the death. And as far as I could remember, when we were looking at Google Maps of the area, there was no such large, lifeless area. It wasn't long until we saw the eyes again. It felt less eerie this time around, and more sinister. As if the surrounding forest wasn't enough, as soon as I saw the bright green glow around us, I felt the death of the place. It weighed on me like a thousand pounds. I glanced at my friend. Andrew was darting his head back and forth in all directions, while Lauren kept her focus straight ahead, ignoring her surroundings completely as she had been for what seemed like years. You have one last chance. The same voice as before, at the third gate, boomed through the air like a tornado. None of us listened. Moments later, the dark figures appeared again, weapons in hand. They were more grisly this time, however, 
no longer shrouded in dark capes, but rather flaunting their unnatural bodies to us. Their limbs were too long, bodies too thick, and worst of all, their skin was pulled so taut against their bones that it looked like a demon summoned from a sacrificial ritual. I guess, in a way, they were. They had only appeared for a moment before they rushed at us. Unlike the previous encounter, where they had stood still and simply waited, this time they came at us from all sides, sprinting. I immediately sprung into a sprint forward of my own, Lauren and Andrew doing the same. We, we need, need to, to find, find a, a way, way through, through, I shouted. Even though I was only a foot or two behind, the white noise emitting from the creatures was deafening. Split! That! Can't reach! All! I could only hear bits and pieces of what Lauren was saying, but her message was clear. She wanted us to split up, even running in a different direction, so that hopefully they would chase one and leave the others. I couldn't have disagreed more. Someone will die, Lauren! We have to stay together! I screamed back. Like hell, was I going to lose another person to this damn forest? One. Us. All. I overheard. She thought it was going to either be one of us or all of us. She was probably right, but that didn't make it okay. I just ran as hard as I could behind her. The creatures were closing in, and I had just managed to sneak by one of the incoming demons in front of us as he swung his club at me by dodging to the left. It wasn't going to last, though. I was running out of steam. And fast. That, along with the fact that I had no idea how long we would have to outrun these things, or even if we could, made me want to give up. Maybe it would be easier to just give in, let this nightmare be over. The thought of Maddie and Kenny was enough to pull me through. I pictured Maddie's face as she breathed her last breath, and the look of determination in Kenny's eyes as he stared down these dark men the first time. I had to keep going. Suddenly, Andrew stopped. It nearly knocked me over as I tried to pull him with me, but he didn't budge. Andrew, Andrew what, what are you, are you doing? doing? Come, Come on. on! We, we have, have to, to move. move! I shook him, and he just shook his head at me. I can't, I can't do, do it, it Daniel. Daniel. I, I give up. up. A single tear fell from his right eye as he sat on the ground. The demons were nearly on us from the back now. I grabbed my friend's arm and pulled harder, trying to force his hand. But he was dead weight. Go, Go on. on. Lauren, Lauren needs to. to. Save, Save them. them. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Andrew turned around and ran towards the creatures that were coming from the back and threw his body into them. I hadn't even noticed that the ones in front of us had reached me as well, but they just ran straight past, all converging on Andrew, tearing his body apart limb from limb until there was nothing left. I couldn't watch, so I spun around and sprinted forward again. I took one last glance behind me as I caught up to Lauren, only to see what was left of Andrew disappear, just as the others had along with the Dark Men. How do we do this, Lauren? I asked, stopping momentarily to catch my breath. We are dead already, Daniel. Don't you get that? It wasn't a question. 
I saw no sympathy for our mutual friend in her face, no remorse. Then, without another word, she walked again, onwards towards the next gate, one step closer to hell. If you didn't count what we were in as hell already, that is. The sixth gate came and passed. I didn't say a word. Neither did she. I don't think either of us really know what we are going on for at this point. I've given up on saving them. I guess I only move forward because it seems a waste to go back. The visions have completely taken over my sight. I only see horrors now, and my legs walk on their own. The silence of the forest has been completely replaced by screams of agony and anguish. I look down at my arms, during a brief moment of clarity, to find them covered in bone-deep gashes, and bruises that are dark and large. <laughs> I chuckle to myself, despite everything. I didn't even feel these injuries. At least if I die, it will be painless. We travelled for hours, and eventually, that little presence that had been guiding us the whole time went away too. We wandered aimlessly, with no way of knowing where the seventh gate would be. The final gate. I tried for a moment to think about it logically, but it was hard to do anything besides concentrate on not going insane. Finally, it came to me. Each gate has some sort of trial, an attempt by the forest to get us to leave. Gate 1 was our phones going off, enough to dissuade some, but not us. Gate 2 was the first presence of the supernatural, when we all knew this wasn't normal. Gate 3, the first appearance of the Dark Men and the loss of Kenny. 4, Maddie. 5, Andrew. The thought popped into my mind at the same time as it did to Lauren. Undoubtedly, from whatever devil source was guiding us this whole time. Only one can go on. I tried to ignore it. Lauren didn't. She spun around only a moment after the voice rattled through our heads and clocked me straight in the jaw. She was a small girl, but it was enough force to send me to my knees. Oh, what are we doing? Another punch to the temple. This time my vision blacked out, and I curled up into a ball on the ground. No, the forest has rules. You play by them or you die. How? Haven't you learned? She shouted, before sending a kick to my exposed back. I began to cry. Another kick, then another. Finally, she turned me over and knelt over top of me, resting her thumbs against my eyes. You were always weak, Daniel. Lauren spoke, and then began jamming her thumbs into my eye sockets. I can't begin to describe the pain. It's unimaginable. Even with the torment I have experienced in the last eight hours... My body responded, rolling to the side and throwing Lauren off balance enough for me to push her away. I grabbed my head and tried to think. I didn't have long before she was on top of me again, her arms around my neck this time, trying to choke me. I threw her off again, begging her to Please, stop and Lauren, think, stop. figure out a logical solution. She was having none of it. She came back again and again, each time I threw her away, using my size and strength to my own advantage. I could tell she was tiring. Her attempts were getting weaker and weaker, 
and she came at me again, and I threw her again. This time, she didn't get up. I walked over to her, my hands still massaging my eyes, trying to get feeling back to them. When she turned around, the ice in her eyes had melted back to the warm ocean blue that I remembered so fondly. Daniel, what's... what's going on? I can't... I can't feel my legs. She whimpered. I looked down, and immediately realized the problem. The last time I had thrown her away, she had landed on a large rock. That rock had opened the back of her neck, and bone was sticking through the skin. I had broken her neck. It's going to be okay, Lauren. I'm right here. We're gonna make it. I tried to soothe her, but the fear in her eyes broke my heart. I knew it was all a lie. I cradled her in my arms and did my best to keep her company. After a minute, she was gone. Disappeared just like the others. Suddenly, I was alone. When I looked back up, the seventh gate was directly in front of me. A grand sight. It reminded me of Wayne Manor in the Batman comic books, Victorian in style, elegant and flawless. Behind it was the fabled asylum. It didn't appear to have any fire damage, as was suggested, but rather looked pristine, like it had been built yesterday. Initially, I questioned it, but it was fleeting. I knew I just had to get there. As I walked up to it, the gate opened in front of me. I stepped through. And suddenly, all the noise, voices, pressure, everything was all gone. It felt normal, like I was just walking through the forest again. All of my cuts and bruises were mended, and my mind was my own. I walked to the front door of the asylum and rested my hand upon the handle. With a deep breath, I swung it open. Standing in front of me were Kenny, Maddie, Lauren, and Andrew. I wanted to be relieved, but the sight of them made it hard. All four were battered, bloody, and crying. I tried to run to them, but an invisible force kept me from entering the asylum that held them captive. One of the dark men came from out of the shadows of the room to the right and slashed through Kenny. He let out a guttural scream, followed by a cry for help. I pounded on the invisible wall and screamed, but they could not hear me. Save them all, or save yourself. The familiar boom of the dark men echoed through the air, and I spun around to see the creature directly behind me. Hot breath. Scorching my face. For once, the presence no longer seemed menacing, but inquisitive. I tried to hit it, but my hand went right through it. What do you mean? I shouted. Save them all, or save yourself. It just repeated itself, its bright green eyes staring into my song. I guess I should be thankful. I had given up any hope of saving my friends, and now 
I had the opportunity to. I wish I could come back with them. But the Dark Men have made it clear that that isn't a possibility. They did let me write a note, though. I know you won't remember this, but I hope that you can take me seriously when I say, don't attempt the seven gates of hell. It isn't worth it. Signed, Daniel Huntington. My name is Lauren Lopez, and this letter was delivered to my house earlier today. I don't know, it probably isn't real, but just in case, I wanted to share it with you all. I don't know anyone by the name of Daniel Huntington, but the whole thing does feel kind of familiar. I have a feeling it's one of Kenny's tricks to try to get us to do something he doesn't think we will all want to do. If that was his plan though, it worked. I had never heard of the Seven Gates of Hell, but the four of us are going tonight. Well, gotta say, I had it wrong. I thought Kenny, with his strong attitude and creepy smiles, was perhaps a cult member luring his friends to their death. Perhaps a red herring by Dakota Vought, and a good one at that. This story was just fantastic, in that the last part really escalated quickly, with the characters being taken away in quick succession. If any of you out there have played Until Dawn on PS4, that's exactly how fast people were dying off. For those of you who have not played that game, it's basically a Wendigo horror survival game, where you make choices that keep characters alive or gets them killed. Freaking awesome game. Just finished it yesterday. But I digress. <laughs> Regarding the characters, it makes me wonder, at the point at which Kenny was stolen away, was there something possessing Lauren after that point, giving her that cold edge, as if she wasn't herself? There is a mention that when her neck is broken, her eyes return to their non-cloudy state. Fascinating. And Maddie being pinned to the tree initially had me thinking that perhaps there was a spirit creature or Wendigo out there with them, terrorizing people in the woods with illusions and impaling them when their guard is down. There could be so many possible outcomes in this story with multiple different kinds of scenarios. And the ending was quite the twist as well. With all the efforts of Daniel being for naught, I can't imagine how he must feel when he sees them all back there again. Just awful. But this story was great, and a huge thank you to Dakota Vought for this story. Please check the show notes to find out more about their site and any links to more of their works. And of course, a huge thank you to you for listening. And I hope this story got you on the edge of your seat. Or at least have you thinking, what's going to happen next? And this Friday, I'm going to jump straight into Skinwalkers or Let's Not Meet Stories. Just in case you don't know what Let's Not Meet Stories are, they are true accounts of horrible and terrifying experiences that people have had. This could be an argument with someone who is not of sane mind, human trafficking stories, escaping a drug ring, or narrowly slipping through the fingers of a child kidnapper. Stories like that. So stick with me Friday for something unique either way. Bye for now, my ghouls and ghasts. And as always, till next time.